Welcome to travel. Like an idiot. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Travel Like an Idiot, episode three. This is going to be a big introduction this time because sitting in with us, we have our co-host and travel extraordinaire, Clifford Ornberger, calling in from Vermont. How you doing, Cliff? Tell everybody at home. I'm uh, doing pretty good. It's a Monday. It's kind of rainy, but it's pretty good now that I'm doing this. It's pretty rainy here, too. It's, uh, yeah, it's well, supposed to be this way all week. We're like an hour and a half from each other. So, Is it only that far? It might even be less. Oh, my God. I, I have to come actually see you one of these I days. don't have a car, so you have to do it. It's going to be on me. We went up to Lake George the other day. That was my only little travel adventure. That was only an hour drive, but that's really not far from the Vermont border. No, 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 that isn't either. Yeah, it was beautiful. And you can get up to Lake Champlain. Have you been up there? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, been, I've been to Lake Champlain from both sides. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Really, really cool place. I haven't been there since I was like seven years old. <laughs> that's the saddest thing ever. <laughs> we always went upstate as a kid. Like, uh, if we're just talking about like really local travel or youth travel and some of that. Oh yeah. Like, we always went up to the Anirondacks, but we are like city—not city, but like suburb kids. Right. Yeah. Um, well, the Long Island people—they during the summer months, if you go up to the Adirondacks, they are everywhere. They travel very well. Yeah, it's very true. We have like maybe the disposable income to do it too. Right, you know, and, and it's so easy to get up there. My grandparents were lived in on, you got to say on Long Island. You can't say yeah. they lived in Long Island. You got to get your prepositions right. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. very offended if you don't say it's on Long Island. So my grandparents, they lived in, what was the name of the town? Westbury in Nassau okay. County. And they had a house on Lake George. They went, and that was their only vacation they ever took. Mm. <laughs> they would drive like, their station wagon five hours up, <laughs> up the like, throughway. My grandfather was actually, we, he never owned a house, but he was very much the same way in that they went to the same lake every summer for one week so he could fish and hunt. And oh, yeah. if the family wanted to come with him, they could come with him. But he was definitely going. He was going either way. And he, he was like, you guys want to do your own thing. <laughs> was they, they changed hotels eventually when like my generation, generation started going just because it wasn't feasible at the other location. But they couldn't support all of the offspring. Yeah. There was a bunch of us. Um, otherwise, uh, he would have stayed at the same cabin probably for the rest of his lives. Yeah, maybe it was that generation that would just do the, the routine thing, and that was okay. My dad would tell me stories because my dad would go up. It was my mom's parents. So my dad would go up as kind of like an outsider. And mm -hmm. the way that he describes it, like when, because my parents started dating when they were like late teenagers, I want to say. So the way that he would describe it was like this hedonistic, like Mad Men style where all these like Wall Street bankers would go up to this same lake where they all had their lake houses and they would drive these pontoon boats into the middle of the lake and they would just get freaking hammered constantly. <laughs> and, like it just sounds like Mad Men. Like they would just go out in the middle of the lake. They were all super well dressed, super rich guys, and they would just get hammered, just wasted. Um. We actually, our, apparently our fathers had very mirrored lifestyles because he used to do this exact same thing and they started dating young too, except for the madman style. Like it was like my dad and his like eventual father-in-law just right. sitting awkwardly in a boat fishing. <laughs> my oh, yeah. grandpa well, wasn't a drinker like that. 
But right, they're from the greatest generation, and to to kind of drown out their horrible war post traumatic stress, they had to just drink whiskey all the time. Apparently, yeah, there's probably a lot of that. Yeah, well, my grandfather, my mom's father, I do have this theory that he was a CIA operative. Did I ever tell you about this? I have a theory that my grandpa has a, a, a spy as also as well. Oh my god, we have <laughs> parallel theories. I don't know if we can keep going in this introduction along this line if we really we will we'll steer this away, but I, I'm going to follow it up with a different podcast, I swear to God, that my grandfather was in the CIA. I, I did file people that, that think that. Right. I did file a Freedom of Information Act request with the CIA. <sighs> they denied it, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a relationship. Anyway, travel stuff. Let's get back mm-hmm. to the travel stuff couple things in the news i saw this really cool um item that i want to know if you would use on your travel it was like i think a few dutch guys or danish guys they're kind of interchangeable in my mind my apologies to anybody from denmark or holland who got offended by that what's but, um, it called because the audience could also look it up and i can just type it i'm sitting in front of a computer it's so a t-shirt that oh. has travel symbols on it i saw that on a you Facebook. saw this I saw it on a Facebook group that was actually making fun of how like insensitive it is. It really seems that way, but kind of yeah. useful. I'm 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 caught in two minds about this. I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a lot of questions. Like some of the questions brought up was like, "What do you pack seven of these, or do you just wear the same shirt every day?" Right. It would get kind of funky. And or then, just carry uh, the shirt around. And then there's questions of like, do does everyone interpret that image the same way? Like, you know, stuff right. like that. But mm-hmm. it's a funny. It's funny idea in in some respect, but I don't know. Yeah, I can it, just see going over. It it's could like create some kooky sitcom kind of situations. I think you know. In a way, I feel like it's traveling like an idiot because, like, the the robber is going to rob the person who's looking down at their own shirt, trying to pick out where the bathroom symbol is. What pictogram am I going to use to talk about how I got to take a shit? <laughs> How do I explain to the police that I was mugged while looking at my t-shirt using pictograms? I know. I'll use my t-shirt to describe it. Is there a pictogram for I got robbed? I don't know. It's, and, like, that's one of those, like, if we're going to actually go into, like, what the subject is, like, what as a kid, like, even as a kid, my mom stressed to us, like, when we were in New York City, like, when she was, like, allowing us to go in by ourselves, to, right. like, look, memorize where you're going so you don't pull out a map and just look like you're a complete stranger in this location because like the lack of confidence very oftentimes is what oh, people attracts will people. That totally like if, if you walk like you know what you're doing which americans usually are pretty good at um right you just fake it yeah fake it till you make it in a way that's how right. I, everywhere that's how i go I, in the world i i totally operate under that same that same mantra that even if i have no fucking idea where i'm going I'm going to go in there like I own the place, like I totally know. So people aren't going to fuck with you, you know? You know, and that can, like, it's, that can ter- be interpreted badly, too. But, like, there's a balance, of course. Like, act confident, right, but don't, right. like, you know, act like you know everything about this place that you clearly don't. Right, I'm like, not going to walk into a bar and be like, hey, this motherfucker over here, look at this Jerry. You know, like, you just, know, I'll have a little discretion, you know. But... Don't just don't pull a six foot map out or wear a shirt. Yeah, you don't want to look like a like a total rube. You're not wearing a fanny pack, you know. I don't know. See, that's one of those things that if you want to get pinpointed as a total tourist, like that's something that you'll use. But at the same time, I can see that if you were, like, let's say you're a doctor, 
and you're going to the third world for some good reason, as opposed to the idiotic reasons that we go places. You know, I wanted to go to Morocco because it sounded cool. I didn't want to help anybody or do anything productive, you know. So let's say you're like a doctor going to the third world and you're going around to these villages and you really need to access stuff and you don't have like an interpreter immediately available. Then, yeah, I can see that being a useful tool. But if you're just lazy and you don't want to learn the language. <laughs> but those people are like those people have guides. They have whole logistics. Right. Yeah. They're the people that need these shirts the least. And. If you want to be trusted as a doctor in the local community, it's probably good to learn the local language and not point it simple. <laughs> Again. I get it. I can see an argument either way. I'm trying okay. to be positive. If the people who make the silly pictogram shirts want to sponsor us, we'll cut this out completely. You guys just let us know. Anything else in the news lately that you've seen like that? Um. I did not look up anything in the news related. To, I, I had I thought about news articles but not anything related to uh pictograms on shirts pictograms <laughs> that help you travel i haven't really seen anything in the news travel worthy maybe this is just our lack of preparation shining through but i think people at home will appreciate the kind of fly by the seat of our pants way that we're doing this yeah and our weird banter about our grandparents um you might be in the cia vernon collins grew up in kentucky look it up uh, I was, <laughs> what was i gonna say I, I, we're, we are like, well, we're, we're doing this out of chronological order today, but we did interview someone from, uh, at 7 a.m. this morning, we did interview someone who ran a 10K in North Korea. That um, is coming after this. We'll put it, we'll put and, the interview after the introduction. And he, it was a great interview and went very well. Yeah, it went pretty well. I, I learned some things certainly. And I, it was not, it would not be the experience I'd have going to North Korea. Like, it's hard to imagine. Right, going to North yeah. Korea to begin with, but I just know like he speaks Chinese, so he had like a different layer of like access to communicating with people than which was I cool, would. right? And because I, we, I never we really would just be total total idiots in the in the sense of the show, and just I didn't realize that you could use yeah. American dollars in stores potentially. That was pretty cool to know, and and then the Chinese money too, which is all pretty. That made um, more sense, but I, I just because like there's a bunch of propaganda about how evil we are, so it's interesting that our money would be like you know just laying around not laying around but you know what i mean right that kind of easily accessible yeah yeah i would think it'd be like in swiss bank accounts or something um right and it would be harder to, to withdraw and yeah yeah north korea north korea related news though i did read that right now pyongyang or pyongyang i don't actually no i'm always self-conscious when i pronounce it um i can't say either euro way or gyro at restaurants <laughs> I have a really hard time ordering those things because I don't know. Like, if I, I think it's actually supposed to be like euro, but if I say that, like, is a waitress gonna know that's what I want? Yeah. So I feel like I have to Americanize myself and say gyro. I, I think I just. And how am I gonna get gyro. that succulent beef and lamb mixture that's shaved? I'm gonna Google that, but I'm not. I'm gonna get this news story out real quick about how um, currently all travel in and out of the city is. Uh, halted right now and there's no funerals or marriages right now because there's they're having their first like congress in 36 years oh, wow. they haven't had one since they uh confirmed um kim il sung's son as wow. the new leader good lord and uh so now i guess they're having one to officially confirm kim jong-un so what do they think like having a funeral or a wedding would like steal the spotlight a little bit 
I the article actually didn't think about it that way. I at first I thought it was like a security thing. Yeah, maybe. Or, I don't know. But, maybe I'm just thinking cynically. I don't know. But yeah, it could be that too. <laughs> Anything's a guess. I also really the one thing I also thought was interesting in the interview is like when he mentioned like how it felt like he was back in time, which is an interesting thought because there's really only one place in the world that you can feel that and you could do that and feel that in a way at this point. Right, yeah. I kind of made some connections when he was talking immediately to like going to Cuba, which I know a lot of people will be doing very soon. Mm-hmm. And like you go and you see like the classic cars that people have been forced to kind of keep running for so many years. And I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a different feeling, but I guess in that kind of sheltered economy and sheltered culture, you really do feel like you're, you're Marty McFly in a DeLorean kind of going back in time. You know? Yeah. And I'd say, yeah, Cubans probably definitely have a very different experience because they had access to the rest right. of the world in a way that North Korea really doesn't. Right. But yeah. North Koreans don't, but um, yeah, I can't imagine that at this point there's 4g available everywhere in the, not everywhere, but, you like anywhere you land and travel around, you're going to have some kind of cell phone connection. Right. Your cell phone's trying to pick something up. Yeah. (laughs) And there it's like, no one has a smartphone yet. Like that was also like, that was a question I asked and I thought was really interesting. Just like, yeah, it was a a really fun, fun chat to be honest. And we thank our buddy Ethan again for that. And you will hear that coming up very shortly. So I think in honor of travel, like an idiot episode three, I want to share an anecdote myself that's very um, airline-based because I've done many very stupid things on airplanes, and mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about one now. So if you wanna if you wanna take a minute, Cliff, and go make yourself a cocoa and wrap yourself up and get cozy, it's story time. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I was 19 years old. I was a fresh-faced, just total moron idiot, and I was going to study abroad in Morocco. And I thought it was a good idea to go study abroad my sophomore year of college. I don't know what made me think that that was something I should do, but I was just totally immature and not ready to do. I I probably wasn't ready to go study in like Wisconsin, Mm. let alone going to freaking Morocco. So I was, um, I was traveling alone for like the the first leg of my journey. I was flying from Albany, New York to Washington, DC to Frankfurt, Germany to Casablanca. And from okay. Casablanca, I was going to take a, a five-hour train to Fez, whereupon someone from the university I was going to was going to pick me up, and we were going to have a great time. So it was on the flight from Washington, D.C. to Frankfurt. It was an overnight flight. And I, uh, you know, trying to be a cool guy, I struck up a conversation with the guy next to me on the flight. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to Israel. I'm a, I'm a Marine, and I'm going to go be in the security detail protecting the American embassy in in Tel Aviv, I think it was. And I think it probably still is. It's probably not in Jerusalem. No, no, Jerusalem would be a huge freaking thing. Security risk, yeah. No, 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 it would just be a political thing. Right, yeah. Just American people representing or acknowledging Israel in Jerusalem, yeah. So anyway, this guy was going, and um, so the flight attendants, they go out, and, you know, their first pass, they give you – they give you a little drink, a little something to, you know, to, to, you know, get you all liquored up. So I decided I was going to get a rum and Coke because I was on an international flight and I could drink at 19 years old and it was Lufthansa and nobody was going to question me. Lufthansa is great for alcohol, by the way. Anyone oh, that's fantastic. Flying, they Air come by Canada as well. Oh my God. Wonderful. 
Everything's free. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I'll fly them sometime if that's the case. I, you need to. I, I lucked into flying Air Canada, but it was the best lucky accident I've ever had. So anyway, I'm flying and, and I pour my drink and it was very strong. For an airline drink, it was very strong. So I get the little cup and it's got my rum and Coke. And uh, I, I pick up my glass to take my first sip and the plane hits a very intense patch of turbulence and the plane just went boom and I spilled my drink completely on the guy next to me. <laughs> Probably... 45 minutes into an eight-hour flight, <laughs> I just, boom, right? It was on my pants, too, but mostly on this guy. So the fasten seatbelt sign was on, but I panicked, and I jumped up, and I ran to the bathroom, bathroom as the plane is just rocking and shaking, and I pulled all of the paper towels out of the dispenser, <laughs> and I ran back to my seat shouting, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, and the guy was just stone-faced, like, did not speak to me for the remainder of the flight. <laughs> I mean, he took the paper towels, thankfully, I think, but he did not speak to me for the rest of the flight. So I spent the next, I think it was probably another 24 hours before I got to my dorm room in Morocco. Mm -hmm. I spent that amount of time with sticky rum and coke smelling jeans. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't have another pair of pants in my carry-on baggage to change mm. into at the airport. So yeah, that was a that was a big traveling and idiot moment for me. That's that that is another major travel tip. Like I always keep a spare one of everything. Keep in my clothes, backpack. you idiots. Me, I'm talking to myself in the past, but you idiot, keep clothes. Yeah, definitely at least one or two spares of everything. That should be in your carry-on. Yeah, honestly. Like and you can you can strategically pack stuff too. Like you can put socks inside your shoes. You can like if you're yeah, packing. Yeah, you can be right, really smart about it. Yeah. I did, I think, ten or eleven days in Europe with just like my backpack from my college school days. Right. Yeah. That's like, impressive. You can pack pretty. Well, I, I I purposely picked a hostel halfway through that had free laundry. That's a good idea. That's another travel tip. Get that another free travel. laundry, even hotels too. Yeah, because it really makes a difference. Like, not having any, like, don't bring, like, if just a quick series of travel tips. Don't bring rolling luggage. Just never bring rolling yeah, no, luggage. No, no, no. Don't carry on rolling luggage either. Yeah. First of all, I just, those people frustrate me. If you're one of those people, you know who you are. But second of all, no, I, I take the backpack and I stick it under the seat in front of me. You don't have to fiddle with the overhead bins. You don't have to be one of those people mm -hmm. who's trying to jam it in there. Like if it was up to you, you could be in and out of that plane in two minutes. Right. And I mean, I think that's the way to do Plus. it. Like I know that people have horror stories about checking bags, but come on, yeah. be comfortable. You know what I'm saying? I've never had problems with checking in bags. And like, even if you have a question, like people are there to help you and they're all experts at finding bags. Like in case like the event that like a bomb's in one or something like that, they know where all the bags are. Right. Like, exactly. These people like, are professionals and they do it way more than you do, you know? So like, even like on my flight back from Indonesia last time, like it was, I had like this awkward moment where like, I, I don't know something like the bags were changing carriers. Like I was changing flights and the bags were changing flights and I was told I had to get the bag and go through customs. It was in Japan. And oh, then wow. they, they kind of, I didn't, 
But they, when I talk to them about it, they're like, oh, we'll just take the bag. Like, it doesn't have to go through customs with you. You just have to go through customs. Oh, and wow. they handled everything, and my bag showed up no problem in right, Connecticut yeah, after oh, four wow. flights. Wow. That's like, always amazing to me that they can that they can move the baggage to where it has to go so quickly. Like, I don't know what air airport operations are like, but it's yeah. way above my pay grade because I could not figure out any of that stuff. Yeah. Like, well, designing it, I imagine, because unfortunately, like, people like the TSA have, like, really shit wages. Yeah, they, they really treat those people terribly. And I don't know if they're, like, unionized or, or what the deal is. Mm -hmm. I would have to read up all about that. Probably federal employees. I don't know what the rules are about that. Yeah, it's really terrible. And, you know, I think they, they see the results when you don't pay people very well. Your product <laughs> isn't great, you know. This went on a, a little bit of a tangent, too. Again, if the TSA wants to sponsor us, we'll take anything out. We uh, we started with uh, Don't Bring Rolling Luggage and ended with, wow, the TSA. If anybody from Rolling <laughs> Luggage wants to sponsor us, Samsonite, you have my number. <laughs> Anyway, Cliff, do you have an embarrassing anecdote that you would like to share before we get into this interview <laughs> in this 47-minute long intro? Um, I once, like, the first time I tried to get a meal in Japan alone, I actually really loved the whole experience in the end, but, like, the first time I tried to get a meal alone, I, like, went into a restaurant, and the people immediately pointed for me to go outside, because in Japan, oftentimes you order your meal from a vending machine outside, what in the world? And like, it's got all the pictures of all the food on it. Right. Yeah. Like Which is that. useful. Yeah. 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 And then you go inside and you hand them a ticket and then they produce the, like you go sit down and they bring the food to you. Um, right. I guess in like a small establishment, it allows them to keep like, uh, well, first off it's, it's actually fairly hygienic cause I paid the vending machine too. So if you're a one or two person establishment, you can just worry about handling food. You don't have to worry about money or a register or security or watching the door or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Because everyone's already paid. Um, yeah. So it was actually, that's in retrospect, that's actually a really cool method. So right, yeah. I went back outside and I was staring at the machine cause I didn't read, I didn't, I couldn't read Japanese at all mm -hmm. yet. And um, I, all I knew is I wanted hot noodles. It was a noodle restaurant. So all they had on the menu was different pictures of noodles. They all looked the same to me. And oh, I was just standing there for an inordinate amount of time. I think it was like a husband and wife that owned the restaurant. The wife eventually sent the husband out to find out like what was wrong with me. What's and, this guy doing out there? And all I said to him was, <laughs> oh, like I, I'd like something hot. And he knew the word hot. And so he just pointed at the entire – it was – in retrospect, like, it's so stupid because the menu is <laughs> divided into a red section and a blue section. And all the red ones are hot. All the blue ones are cold. So just like your faucet at home, yeah. <laughs> the red means hot. And so That's I, a universal. And I was like, oh, like I'm such a friggin' idiot. And then so I went inside. If only you had had your pictogram shirt, you could have showed him a picture of a fire. <laughs> and you would have known fire hot. Yeah, I mean, maybe eighteen-year-old me would have been able to use it, but at this point, I would, I would do much better traveling than you do when I was eighteen. You figure it out. But it was really a nice experience. After that, I went inside, handed them my ticket very proudly that I was able to produce from the machine. Um, sat down next to a bunch of other like salary, like business guys, and like then just ate noodles. And you, it's very, it's a very like slurpy society so you kind of just oh, yeah. slurp 
noodles with everyone else. I'm all about. When I went to Shanghai, I could not use chopsticks to save my life. So I put my face as close as I could to that bowl. And however it got in there, it got in there. It's re- yeah, it's it's a difficult thing for me because I'm a fool. <laughs> but you know, you were probably better at it. Chopsticks. I started practicing like before I even went, like months before. Yeah, I grew up in a very white family, so we we didn't really do anything that was too culturally adventurous. <laughs> even even so, even in so much as using chopsticks, <laughs> that would have been something that would have been like, "Whoa, what are you doing there, buddy?" This is crazy. Yeah, you might well, as well you know. have spice in your food. Oh, spice! Perish the thought, Clifford. Yeah, spice I know. In our food, flavor. <laughs> what are we? What are we, barbarians? Nope, it's boiled potatoes. <laughs> Putting cilantro and, and and pepper on our horse flesh. <laughs> horse yeah. flesh? I don't know. That sounds like something barbarians would eat. Yeah, right? but actually, a lot of people eat it. Like it's in, like um. I, this is a fun fact, like to go along with our like TSA agents aren't paid enough and stuff like that. Um, horse slaughter is illegal in the United States. Really? So we just ship all of our like race, like former racehorses and stuff like that to Mexico and Canada, and they get slaughtered there instead, and uh, right. get shipped to like I think Italy and Korea and a couple other places. Um, but I mean, the meat's so, probably fine. You know? So I signed a petition to uh, re-legalize horse slaughter in America. Right. Let's keep our horse slaughtering jobs in America. But you're forcing a bunch of live animals to be shipped over international borders in uncomfortable like like cars rather than have it done locally. and Only to be local... instantaneously murdered, you mean? Yeah, so you're putting them through a lot of like stress for only to kill them. It's really terrible. Um, right. So yeah, this is another fun fact that's not exactly traveling. I'm learning so much. <laughs> but I yeah. swear. You should try horse at some point too. It's good. I've tried, I've had camel, which I, you know, was fine. Never had camel. It was ground camel. I don't that know if that cheapens it at all. You know, um, yeah, I don't know if I've had anything else weird. I had bullfrog in China. Mm. That frog was, it like. was spicy. It was spicy, the frog. Well, was it spicy because of the, the sauce and seasoning on it, or is it spicy because... Well, yeah, which makes me wonder what is the actual food. taste of the frog. You know, probably like chicken. It was so dressed up. Yeah, it tastes like chicken. I gotta be honest it's with you. It's probably chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. I gotta if you're, be real if you're nervous about trying strange meats, just assume it's gonna taste like chicken. If it doesn't taste like chicken, it tastes like beef or lamb or something. Right. Sometimes I, I almost feel better about trying strange meat, like taste-wise, because I'm like, meat, there's a very narrow... There's a very narrow range of what meat could possibly taste like, mm-hmm. but like anything else, you could, you could be getting anything, you know? Yeah. That's why with meat, if I can visibly tell that it's meat, I'm like, well, first of all, this could make me very ill. But second of all, it's I know probably, it's probably going to taste a, a certain way, you know? It tastes generally delicious. Yeah, real good. And I was a vegetarian for a long time too. Five years and uh, I wish it was five years that I could I could have back, but you know you live and you learn. <laughs> I mean, we should uh, like we should probably all be eating less meat. Like, uh, you oh, totally. A ton of cooking skills from when you were a vegetarian. Like, no, I was a terrible vegetarian. Oh, uh, you're really one of those. Bad at it, I because I I didn't really learn how to cook until a little pretty recently, just in the last few years, I've gotten pretty good, but yeah, I was bad at it. I did not do it the right way. I ate a lot of eggs and I ate a lot of cheese. 
So my cholesterol was probably like on on death levels by the time I stopped being vegetarian. But yeah, yeah if I, if I had to go back and do it again, I would probably teach myself a lot of ways to like use cool ingredients and spices and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was lazy and just idiotic. So it goes with our theme that instead of travel like an idiot, watch out for my spinoff show, Vegetarian Like an Idiot <laughs> with Ben. That's nah, two spinoff shows. <laughs> and I never, I never ate dining hall meat when I was in college. I never, I never got to eat the meat from the dining establishment. It was okay. Well, actually, I got to eat it later because when I did, when I went to graduate school, I had to go to campus for yeah. like three days. I had to go live on campus for like three days, and I got to eat the meat in the dining hall, and that was a big moment for me. That's well. It's the little things in life, Cliff. Okay. I'm glad you had that like burger that was cooked 30 minutes ago, or <laughs> that chicken that was cooked in an oven an hour More ago, and it's been or something. Steaming. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I made a bigger deal of it than it should have been. No, no, no. You can enjoy your cafeteria meat. Yep, yep. Well, I gotta go switch my laundry in yeah. my basement. We got to wrap this up because you, we said we got to get to the interview. It's like 30 minutes. We got to get to the interview. So coming right up, you're going to hear a wonderful interview with our friend Ethan calling in from Shanghai. He went to North Korea to run in a road race. So that was a pretty amazing story. I hope everybody enjoys it. Man, I can't. I have to go change my laundry. It's in the basement. I have a ghost in my house now. So I don't want to go down there. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. good luck with that. Well, I got to tell you, my house was built in the year 1760, so it predates America. That's pretty cool. And in a drawer in our bathroom, we found a note, and it says, This room belongs to Ruth, age 10, written 1916. Mm. So my wife found that note the other day, and it freaked me out so bad. Had you, had, had, had you used that drawer before? I'd use the drawer. I just never know. It was written on like the side of it, like in like what looked like ballpoint pen or something in like loopy cursive, like little kid handwriting. Did ballpoint pen exist at the time? I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. So I'm going to go down to my basement and hopeful that, that Ruthie is not down there waiting for me. Uh, she's probably very anyway. <laughs> She's probably very nice looking after our stuff. Anyway, this is an interview. Travel like an idiot. Number three with Ethan from Shanghai. Thank you all for putting up with this intro. Uh, if you love us, uh, send us an email, travel like an idiot at gmail.com. If you hate us, send us hate mail and we can talk about it on air and we'll validate your, your, your vengefulness. Um, we're on Twitter at idiot travel. I'm going to look how many followers we have right now. Cliff, take a guess. How many followers do you think we have? Uh, hmm. I'm going to guess. Well, I would guess like nine. Oh man, we went down one. <laughs> We're at 198. Oh wow, that's actually and I'm a bunch. Sure some of those are real people. At least nine of them. At least nine of them. One of them is not Cliff. Still waiting on that. All right. Oh yeah, I I don't use Twitter. Yeah, I you have, should. It's it's a I wonderful think I have platform. At least two two Twitter accounts. Is it? Are they Twitter accounts? Is it called? I'm gonna search you. <laughs> Anyway, you might be able to find me. This yeah. is episode three of Travel Like an Idiot. Share it with your friends. Share it with anybody. 
just literally anybody. Clifford Ornberger. I uh, I liked when you had said Super Clifford. Yeah, maybe. Oh, three followers, and now you got four, buddy. Yeah, I don't even know if I know the password to that account, but awesome. Um, what I was gonna say, I liked what you said last week that if you don't like our recordings, send them to people you hate. Yeah, because I mean, I swear to God, it would be a fate worse than death having to sit through this intro <laughs> to get to what was actually a very interesting interview. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here here it is. Travel like an idiot. Bye. Episode three. Don't travel like an idiot. Here it is. All right. So now we are live with Ethan. Ethan is joining us from Shanghai. He is our second guest from Shanghai after my stupid little brother, Kevin. So this one should be a lot more enjoyable than his ears getting clean story. So Ethan has a pretty interesting experience. He actually uh, ran, was it actually in the Pyongyang Marathon in North Korea, or was it one of the, the sub-events? Uh, no, it was, the, it was the actual marathon. Although you ran I the full marathon? The, I didn't run the full one, no. I, I ran the 10K. That's incredible. Oh, okay. Still cool. I can't run that far. Such an amazing story. Yeah. So I want to ask you right off the bat, so what is your experience with travel leading up to that point? Were you always a traveler? How was travel viewed in your family when you were growing up? What, what was the sequence of events that arrived at you flying to North Korea to run in a 10K? Yeah, I've, I've had a, a, a bit of a history of traveling. Um, this, I think, is maybe my 25th country oh, wow. um, that I've been to, North Korea. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've been all over North America, Europe, and uh, especially here in Asia. This is my second time uh, living here. I, I actually uh, did a brief study abroad in Singapore. Oh, cool. That's um, incredible. So yeah, I'm currently living here in Shanghai, and uh, I was at a uh, I was at a bar, and it was trivia night, and uh, they were actually advertising the the Pyongyang Marathon there uh, back in December. Uh, the 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 theme for that night was all about North Korea, and uh, I've seen just about every documentary that that has come out about North Korea. Um, I find it incredibly fascinating, and uh, I, I this was my opportunity to go see the country firsthand. Yeah, so were they advertising for people to watch and attend, or for people to like? Were they looking for runners? Yeah, they were they were advertising the marathon itself, um, and surprisingly, when I went there, most of the people seemed to be more focused on the marathon than you know visiting North Korea. Like mm. almost all the tourists there were marathon runners who just saw this as another marathon. Wow! Um, so just like you would fly to to Denver to go run a race, right. like you wow. fly to Denver, you you fly to you know. London to do the marathon there, and so many people. This is just another, just another one. So um, that just shows that runners take things more seriously than regular people. Running is yeah. more serious than going to see an authoritarian regime. That's incredible yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I can't what? even imagine a North Korean trivia night. That alone sounds kind mm. of like fun and weird. That would not be something I would have thought as a thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, the guy who owns... I went with Choreo Tours, and the guy who owns the company. Okay. Well, I don't know if he's the... Have you, have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah. The guy who owns it is Simon, and uh, I... Uh, he's the one who actually did the, the trivia for that night. Um, so they advertised oh, okay. it there. Did, did you, uh, now do you have to pay to do a marathon, or like, do you get kind of invited because you're good at running? No, no, it was, it was a paid event. Like, actually, well, they had, they had a professionals section, and then just, like, the amateur, and of course I'm an amateur. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not much of a runner, although I did run, the only other 10K that I ran was in Madrid. So I've done the 10K in Madrid, and I've done a 10K in Pyongyang. Um, and uh, they had professional runners there in at the Pyongyang Marathon. Um, yep. You know, of so, course, they had Ethiopians and, and you know, uh, Tanzanians. Incredible. Yeah. So if you're only going to run two 10Ks in your life, those sound like a couple pretty good choices. <laughs> <laughs> to run in Madrid and in Pyongyang. So, well, first of all, how did you do? Yeah, actually, yesterday they just sent my certificate to me, and uh, I I was aiming under an hour, and um, I got 54 minutes. So nice. That's that's you know that's pretty good. That's pretty quick for a 10k. That's that's really not a bad time, I mean, especially you know given the circumstances. I. I, I it's pretty good for, for how I was expecting to do. Um, again, I'm not I'm no professional, but uh, and along the way, like while I was running, I was taking pictures. You know, I was like stopping <laughs> and waving to people, and and it was it, I wasn't taking it as serious as a lot of other people were because I wanted to more enjoy the tourist part of it than actually try to get a good time. Were you right. concerned about taking photos or anything like that? I was initially. Because you, it's it's like an uncertain situation. You don't really know what you're getting yourself into until you actually get there. But when I was there, I was the only thing that we were told not to take pictures of is of soldiers. Mm. You know? and, okay. And that's pretty much the same in like anywhere I've been. Just don't take a, don't take pictures of like military related things. Um, it just so happens that in North Korea, that's almost everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, pictures weren't really a problem. That's a good tip for listeners, just in general. Don't take photos right. of military things. That might be, yeah, that might be yeah. our "don't travel like an idiot" tip of the day. Don't take pictures yeah. of military things. So then that brings me to another question. You hear so much about people going to visit North Korea about how there's a lot of really intensive preparation that people have to do, like sitting through orientations of what not to do when you're visiting this country. Was that your experience, or do you think that that's kind of overblown? I was expecting that, um, but when we met at the airport before the flight, it they they pretty much just gave us a little tour book um, that explained like the city. You know, it wasn't really that much of an intense inter- uh, orientation as I expected. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I was because, expecting something more than that too. Right, and we mentioned when we were just chatting briefly before that this was right. This uh, was a few weeks after the the verdict came down in the Otto Warm Beer case. I think the kid's name was who was a for yeah. those people who are listening who don't know who was an American college student who was caught trying to steal a propaganda poster from a hotel. 
and he was right. caught, and you were telling me at the airport, and he got sentenced to something like 15 years hard labor just for doing something. So the people that yeah. you were traveling with, did this freak anybody out? Did anybody back out of this trip because of that? I don't know. Well, I can't be sure who signed up and then backed out because I didn't know. I didn't go with any of my friends or any, anything when, when I went there. I just went wow, by myself. So that's, that's doubly brave <laughs> to go to yeah. North Korea by yourself. And um, so I, I didn't hear of anyone who, who backed out of it uh, last minute. Um, and yeah, but it was funny to see there. There were like, there were people who actually brought their kids and stuff uh, along this trip. Wow. Uh, there, there were like families that went, you know, young children, couples. It was almost, it was surprising how casual a lot of people treated it. Um, you know, it just totally shattered my expectations when I actually went there and saw the the other tourists. That's really, really amazing. That that it totally defies whatever my expectations would have been. So, and yeah. what? So, were you on guard when you were there compared to? You said you've been to twenty five countries, so you've traveled. That I would say that's very extensively. So, compared to when you travel to other places. Were you like particularly on edge or like on guard or looking out for any way that you could get yourself in trouble, or was this just for you? Did you settle in at all? I mean, I was, of course, constantly making sure I I didn't criticize, you know, the government. I didn't I didn't do anything to offend our, our tour guides or or our, we along the trip we had government minders who uh, kind of followed us around, um, but. Again, like after the first day, it 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 almost you could almost forget that you were in North Korea, you know, just just wow. Except for the fact wherever you looked, you saw propaganda relating to you know mm. Kim Il Sung, and and you would see like a little poster of like a, a nuclear warhead, and you're like, okay, yeah, of course. I you got to snap back to reality. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's where I am. That's. So did you, you manage? Did you do some touring while you're there, or was it just like run and get out? Or uh, I was there for a total a total of three days. Okay. Uh, the first day, well, our flight left from Shanghai at like uh, at like two in the morning, and then we got into Pyongyang at like four in the morning. So I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> we we got into Pyongyang and they immediately took us to the DMZ. Which is about three hours away from Pyongyang. Holy um, God! So wow. I slept on the bus as much as I can, but you know the roads there aren't in great condition, so it was it was a pretty bumpy ride. So yeah, first day got to the DMZ. Um, you know, walked up to the South Korean border with all the guards there. You, have you seen the pictures of like the blue buildings and and? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, we went there. Uh, and then after being around the DMZ, Panmunjom, we went to. Another city, I think, called Daesong, which is right north of the of the border, and uh, we had lunch there. Then we went back to Pyongyang. Wow, that's an incredible experience. So, when you were there, did you get to actually interact with any North Koreans? I mean, I don't know if you have if you have any Korean or if they have any English at all. But what was the interaction like if you if you did actually get to interact with people? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I I don't speak Korean, so <laughs> if I did speak Korean, then you and me both, would man. Be <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so we we had our guys, of course. They were 
they were North Korean. And, like, just people walking on the street, walking past us, um, I could say, like, hello to them, and they would either, like, sheepishly smile and try to get away. Or, oh, or actually, a lot of people were friendly, and they, were, uh, they, would, they would kind of walk by us, and they'd say hello to us and try to practice their English. Um, wow. Like, uh, the second day we were there, we took a ride in the metro down, which, which is apparently the deepest metro in the world. Um, <laughs> I, I heard I that. Think that one, I think that, that one's actually true. It was really, really far underground. Uh, and they shoved us on this, like, uh, old 1970s, uh, you know, uh, metro car, subway car. Apparently made in, like, East, East Germany or something. Wow. But still mm. functioning. It, it definitely felt like a trip back in time going down the metro, uh, like I was in, you know, East Berlin. Um, but, yeah, just surrounded by, by uh, locals. There was this one group of students. I saw this kid reading an English book, um, and I practice, you know, English with them. Like, I asked him, how old are you? He said 10, <laughs> even though he was obviously, like, a college student. Uh, okay. So, so numbers. Was, never numbers. Guess. <laughs> Wait, yeah, what they, you say? So, Do you so remember what book he was reading? <laughs> it was... Uh, I, I took a look at it, and it was, like, some sort of script or something, uh, like, like, from a from a movie, I, I couldn't really tell. I, I didn't get a good look at it. Um, but he was just reading it, and I was trying to have a conversation with him, but unfortunately the locals there, most of them aren't really good in English. But I... I so I actually spoke more Chinese there than English. Because, uh, you know, the biggest group of tourists that go there are, are the Chinese, so... Uh, sure, yeah. Most, of, m most North Koreans learn Chinese as a second language, probably not English. That makes sense. That's great. Wow. It's still really cool to speak to a child. Like That sounds kind of creepy in a way to say, but... Speak to a child. A North Korean like, child. Not something I would have thought would be possible, in a way. I always thought you'd kind of be like at a... like 10 feet distance from people. Right. Yeah, and I, again, I, I had that, that concept as well before I went there. <clears throat> right. And I wonder what they're, like, people must know that American tourists, okay, they're now coming to North Korea. And I wonder what their almost, what their, their MO is for dealing with people. I wonder if the authorities tell people, don't go up and talk to these foreign people, or you should smile and try to pretend like everything's amazing. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking way too, that, that everything's being controlled, or I wonder if they have, a, a, like, a prescriptive way that they're supposed to interact with you. You know, again, I'm not, I, I can't be sure about that. We, us tourists, we talked about that, um, wondering how much was, like, scripted and how much was the people actually going about their days. Um, and it, I, I kind of decided that, like, we just saw so many parts of the city, and there were just so many thousands of people doing their own thing that it didn't seem like most of it was scripted. They were actually just going about their days. And right, so on that scale... It couldn't have been possibly put on, on on such a large scale. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's incredible because you hear all these stories, and I think I was reading an article about how when foreigners would come to North Korea, they would drive them to, to, to grocery stores and have them look in the yeah. windows, and the grocery stores would be totally fake, and they would be full of like fake fruits and vegetables, but it was for the benefit of the foreigner to kind of push this narrative that you know everything here cool. is incredible and wonderful. 
Yeah, did you see that on the interview? Is that you got that? Maybe, from? Yeah, maybe that. Maybe I got that from that movie, The Interview, with, with yeah, Seth Rogen and James Franco. Maybe that's what I'm actually thinking of. But you know, maybe that's actually a thing that happens. Maybe they got that one right. Um, they we went to a couple uh, stores, uh, and mo- they were they were full, obviously, because they wanted to show that they had stuff. And most of the stuff was made in China, so it was it was kind of just like being to any Chinese store here, you know. Right. Hmm. So going from Shanghai, and Shanghai, it seemed to me I got to go there for a week last year, so that really wasn't enough time to like experience it. And was there? I mean, you're going to North Korea, so obviously, was there some degree of like culture shock almost? But you you also said that. After a little while, it kind of started to feel like any other trip you'd taken. So, like, what was the level of like transition for you, or were you not really there for long enough to actually put yourself in in, in a in a place where you could be culture shocked, even? Yeah, that's the thing. It was such a like a whirlwind tour. It was just three packed days of nonstop being you know, bust around the city and shown this and shown that. Like, look at this statue. Look at this monument. Okay, let's go for a run now and get on the plane. You know. It was just like there is not really enough time to kind of sit back and, and kind Process. of process. Right, yeah, so you couldn't really back. consider it. Definitely yeah. is, it's, it's just not, but it also is not like any other country I've ever visited. Um, it was very much like taking like a short trip back in time, you know, wow. back to the like Cold War 70s. That's what I've always find fascinated because, like, were smartphones prevalent? Like, did you see those, or is that still too? I don't know. I'm trying to like too modern or too. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word because smartphones are everywhere at this point. Yeah, they're everywhere here in China. You know, you walk in the metro here uh, in Shanghai, and you, you, it's hard to find a person not staring at the phone, like being a phone zombie, but. Uh, I didn't see many smartphones in Pyongyang, but I saw, I did see a couple just, uh, like, older models of cell phones, um, maybe like a Blackberry kind of thing where it's not, like, touchscreen, but it has, like, the keyboard on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, our, our guides had phones, um, and I, I actually caught my guide playing Candy Crush, uh, at one point, <laughs> or it wasn't Candy Crush. It was like a it was like a Chinese version of Candy Crush, but she was definitely playing a little a little video game on her phone. That's fantastic. Yeah, like that's not surprising at all in a way, and also equally just as like it's both not and is surprising. Right, it's very yeah, surprising. It's really what it yeah, <laughs> on a human level, that that's just everybody is enthralled with. Uh, touching a glass screen and having shiny objects move. So that, you know, it's good to know that that's a ubiquitous thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) So since our show, the title of our show is Travel Like an Idiot, but we always make it full disclosure that we don't want people to travel like idiots. We want them to learn from the mistakes of others. So during your three-day whirlwind tour, I know you said there wasn't a ton of downtime, but was there any point in time where you did something where you kind of immediately thought like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, this is bad? Or were you pretty good? I I I was a good boy during my tour. You were I, good. You behaved. I, I behaved. Yeah, I did not do anything 
I mean, of course, you know, your your podcast is Travel Like an Idiot, and a lot of people would say going to North Korea automatically makes you an idiot, right? So that to some people, yeah, that would be that would be yeah. a thought, I think. I mean, I tell a lot of people about my trip, and they say, "Why? You know, you're going to get snatched the second mm. you step on, step out of the airplane there." Um, but no, nothing, nothing terrible happened. I, I made sure to listen to my our guides. You know, listen to any rules that they told us, and and uh, get out of there safe. Incredible. So I guess the question the question remains: Would you go back? Uh, I possibly would be interested. It's just so expensive. That's that's the biggest thing. It was an expensive trip uh, for only a three-day oh. stay. Um, I would I I think it'd be interesting to do it again, but I would rather spend my travel money going to another place. Right. So it was the majority of the expense. Did that come from the fact that you had to go through a tour company? Was it like the flight itself, or how, how was it all arranged, just so people can get an idea? Yeah, I mean, you have to go through a tour company to, to get there, and right. uh, you don't have much option. You don't have a lot of a, a choice uh, with, like, with the tour company. Everything's bundled together. You know, the flight, the transportation when you get there, the... The, the hotels, the, the food they give you, like, all of that is in one package. Okay, so, so you don't see, like, a line item breakdown of, of what you're paying for, pretty much? Really, no. The visa, everything is just packed into one, and then you pay just that lump sum, and you get in. Okay. So you didn't, like, so you didn't, like, have to, like, purchase anything at restaurants? Like, you kind of just showed up at a place and dinner was provided, or... Yeah, was, you like, just... It was, it was all the way down to that? Yeah, it really, it really was. We just like, you know, it, there all the buildings look the same. That you know, they have no advertisements, they have no signs or anything other than their their propaganda. So uh, they would we would just pull on the side of the road, go into a building that looks like every other building, and then walk inside. Food would just be waiting for us, and we're like, okay, I guess it's lunchtime. <laughs> that is prepared to such to such a specific degree. That is incredible. So that yeah. so did you deal in in the currency at all? Did you exchange money with anybody? How did that all work? With the uh, they they have their own currency there. They have the you know North Korean won. Right, right. Uh, same word as the South Korean won. Um, but well, uh, foreigners aren't actually allowed to hold the money. It's it's illegal. For anyone but a North Korean to actually possess North Korean. Wow. Okay. So, so being there, foreigners can use the Chinese, the, the renminbi, the Chinese yuan. Right. Uh, you can use euros, or you can use U.S. dollars. Uh, wow. So those three currencies are accepted everywhere, uh, and you're actually not allowed to touch North Korean money. See, that is something I would have never known. Yeah, neither, yeah. neither would I. That's incredible. So, um, just to do a little bit of a pivot here, you did say that you've been to 25 different countries. Now, that's amazing, and I am super jealous of that number and hope to get there someday. So, yeah. do you have any specific stories that jump to mind from any of those adventures where you did something that you hope that other people don't repeat? Don't repeat. Um... 
Yeah, uh, you know, I yeah, through all my travels, I've never actually been in a really sketchy sketchy situation. I've never been at I've never been at like knife point. I've never been in a fight. I've never been to jail. Nothing like super crazy, you know. Um, right, right. Even That's though, good. yeah, um, but <laughs> I guess my recommendation is if you have an early uh, ride the next morning, if you have a, if you have to get up early and get into a bus, you know, to to get somewhere like a three-hour bus ride, just don't get too drunk the night before because being hungover and being stuck <laughs> in a bus. Packed, packed in this, you know, tiny bus with no air conditioning, along a bumpy road, you might throw up on the person next to you. Um, you might, or you, or you did. Luckily, I've, I, I, uh, we stopped. This was actually in town, um, and uh, I felt like I was just gonna, I was gonna throw up on the person next to me. Um, but luckily, we stopped, and uh, I got it out of me outside. Um, so just uh, practical advice: uh, don't don't treat too much the night before if you got you got if you got an early ride the next morning. So that was in Thailand, you said. Yeah, I was I was uh, going from Phnom Penh uh, all the way to Bangkok, and it was like a six-hour drive. And right, that's got to be uh, quite a quite a trip. Oh my god! I'm actually su- surprised yeah, was, how short a trip that is. Yeah, yeah, only six was, hours. But it felt longer. <laughs> believe me. It was a terrible trip. Oh, no doubt. Um, when you have the hangover of all hangovers, it probably feels like a little, a little uh, more jarring a trip. Yeah. Yeah. The most I've ever regretted drinking is always before um, traveling. Before, like that oh night, my god. The night before leaving a country or the night before the next location. I don't know why, but that just seems to be the night people drink, and it's not ever. It's never a good idea. That's your habit. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I got trapped in a in a Moroccan bathroom one time. We um, it was the night I did my study abroad in college in Morocco, and we were at the a hotel in Casablanca, a friend of mine and I. And the beer in Morocco comes in very very small bottles because it's you know it's a Muslim country, so they're not totally accustomed to drinking a lot. So I think they're like these little eight ounce bottles of like Heineken is pretty much the only beer they have because that you know you get that everywhere. So I I had about probably 15 of those, you know, and we're flying the very next day, and it was the in the hotel little restaurant lobby, and I ran to go to the bathroom, and the door kind of shut behind me, and I was afraid it wasn't going to lock, because, you know, in Morocco, people would just come and fling the door open, you know, and they don't, you know, they're not shy, yeah, like this, and they, so I, I pulled the door really firmly, and I pressed the lock, and I couldn't get out of the bathroom for probably, like, half an hour, so I had my little Moroccan phone, and I didn't have any credits left on it because they're all like little track phones. And this was in 2009, I want to say. So I didn't really have... They, they didn't really have smartphones, so that, that wasn't really prevalent. So I'm like trying to call and text frantically to my friend who's like sitting over at the bar to come get me out of the bathroom. Because I was in there for like an embarrassingly long amount of time. And people probably just thought that I was blowing it up. You know, that I was just like, oh man... I ate something that wasn't that good, but I was actually stuck, and I was, like, jiggling the door and trying to get out. So eventually, I think my friend got worried about me, and he came over, and I kind of explained what was going on through the door, and it was a it was a pulled door, so he pushed from the other side while I pulled, and we got me out of the bathroom, but that was probably the worst. And then my flight the next day was probably, uh, like you said, the worst one I ever had, because I was the most hungover I've ever been. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was a real bad back. one. Yeah, that you know, I'm gonna take that one, put that one in the bank. But, yeah, well, at least the toilet wasn't broken, right? And like you, you puke in the toilet and you're stuck in the bathroom there for 30 oh, minutes. Oh man, no, luckily not. Luckily, the toilet was was operating at full strength, and it had to be. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> that's that's back lovely. To those college days. So. How long How long did you say you've been in Shanghai? Two years, you said? No, I've been here since last summer. Oh, okay. Very cool. And um, and where were you before that? Uh, I was in uh, California. California. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah. Very. And what part of California? Uh, Los Angeles. Dude, incredible. Where we're from is so boring, Cliff. Uh, I mean... I'm from New York, so I always felt pretty, like, you're, well, I'm from New York, New York, like, the city. You're from or Long not, Island. Yeah, I, so I'm close enough that I like to pretend I'm from the city. You're in Suffolk. You're not close you're enough. Not, I'm far enough that the people from the city <laughs> do not like me. They'll call you a tourist if you, if you go to the city. Right now, yeah. If you look out your window right now, could you see the Statue of Liberty? Oh, well, now I'm living in Vermont, so... But I like oh, okay. small, Vermont's like small town, Seattle, Colorado feel kind of, which is nice too, but yeah. I want to get out and travel some more, of course. All right, so so where's next? What's the next big trip after North Korea? That's a pretty tough one to follow. So how do you follow up yeah. North Korea? Well, I, I, uh, I want to continue traveling here in China. Um, I think I want to go... South to like Hong Kong. Yeah. Mm. Have you been uh, to Hong Kong yet? No, I've I've never been there. So that would be a a nice little trip. They drive on the left side of the road, so be careful when you're crossing the street. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one advice my brother had for me after going to Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> Very insightful. You don't need anything <laughs> Just careful when you're crossing the street. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Well, well even in China, they kind of drive just like in the middle of the road. So, right, there is no side of the really, road that they choose. <laughs> yeah, they don't really have a have a left or right side here. <laughs> I'm always I'm always pretty amazed at like the the I don't know I don't know what the the appropriate word is. Maybe like the swagger of like taxi drivers in other countries that they just do things in automobiles that I would never ever dream of. I mean, like, this. just this past weekend, I drove pretty much through the Bronx, you know, because we were going down to Long Island because that's where my wife's family is. Um, and even even driving through New York City, it, it's totally tame compared to 99% of other places in the world, you know? Have you ever driven a car in another country like that? Uh, no. No, I've only driven in the U.S., it's, it's, I've considered it, but I've never mm-hmm. actually done it. You've never done it, either. it Like I, I'm like, oh boy, am I glad that I did not drive today. When I look back at like some of the right, like, you always decide later. <laughs> I've never actually gone abroad without seeing an. I've never seen an accident in America, but I've, I've never gone abroad without seeing a minor accident. Oh yeah. Which I mean, it's certainly just luck and stuff like that, but I don't know. I'm sure that 
correlation is causation in this case, and that it's probably more prevalent than uh, than here, to be honest. Yeah. That's Just incredible. The things you can do on narrow roads that I did not think you... I, like, I did not know you could fit three cars on this road. I would have maybe driven one. <laughs> yeah. And in China, you probably see that every day. Yeah, definitely. So going back to the United States, you're, it's going to be tame to you, I think. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna miss that excitement of of Chinese life. And are you planning on on going back anytime soon, or is or are you where you want to be for a while? Yeah, I think I want to continue uh, working here uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, you're teaching. Yeah, I'm teaching, okay. and uh, I think that's what I'll continue to do for next year. Very cool. That's awesome. And would you like to go and do the teaching thing in another country? Go and teach in another country? Yeah, is, is that in your plans at this point? Like, like what I'm doing right now? <clears throat> yeah, if you, if you were to go travel and just be like an ESL teacher in a different country after China. Oh, just like for the rest of my days? Um, I, I don't think so, no. Uh, maybe in the U.S., like after I'm done traveling, actually just settle down and uh, start working there. Um, but for now, yeah, I'm going to continue teaching. Very cool. And is that your is that your educational background? Like, did you go to school for teaching or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I studied a bit. All right. Very cool. Yeah, you well, can always. Can, I know uh, Thailand and Turkey, a couple other countries, have pretty big uh, English language like teaching programs. So you can probably always consider. Or always anyone that's yeah. listening. China's a Definitely the biggest, though. Yeah, yeah, China's huge. Literally, and... Because I actually... Yeah, literally, and... Uh, but, yeah, I actually taught in Spain as well. Um, but I wasn't making any money there, you know? Oh, that's is, awesome. Uh, and I, I have a, a friend who's teaching in Uruguay, which I actually wanted to do instead of Spain. I wanted to go to Uruguay. I really um, want to go to that country. Like, that's, like, top five, top three... I'm uh, I'm not allowed to go to Uruguay. My my wife is from Argentina, and there's a pretty deep-seated uh, regional rivalry there. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not allowed. No, I would be allowed to go. You know, but they all in South America they all think that they're better than everybody else. Yeah. Until they yeah. until you until you say something about one particular South American country and you're not South American, and then immediately they will all rally to the cause and defend each other. But the inter-South so American rivalry is pretty intense. To Argentina then. Yeah, we. I got to go a few years ago. We went. I went for about two weeks. We're hopefully gonna go again this summer, for about a month. So that should be really cool. But the only thing I'm upset about is I'll be sacrificing some of my summer time here, because obviously it's gonna be winter time in Argentina. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I've never Shut done. Up, I've never done that. I've never. I've never left the warm weather to go to cold weather. So that'll be the first experience for me. Mm. So I'm pretty excited about that. Should be pretty cool. Have you been to South America at all? No, no, that's. I want to go. I definitely uh, want to visit there sometime, but that's not one of the places I've been to yet. All right, well, fellas, I have to go to my actual job for which they pay me. Sadly, this is my first day back at school after my spring break, so um, this is going to be a bummer. But it was excellent talking to you, Ethan. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing those stories. We will let you know immediately when this goes up so you can hear it. 
And if you want me to take any parts out that you talked about, you just let me know. Yeah, of course. All right. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Lottie. It was great to talk to you, and good luck with the rest of your teaching in Shanghai, right? In Shanghai? Yeah. yeah. And as they say in um, China, I'm not going to say this right. I learned how to say thank Is it xie xie? Yeah, thank you. Xie xie. There do you we go. Actually, do you want to give like one final tip or piece of advice for people that are thinking about traveling or haven't traveled much or like one parting wisdom? One final piece of advice, let me think. Just, just do it. Just, uh, you know, if you, most Americans don't even have a passport and if you get your passport, just, just do it. Just go out and travel. Pick a place mm -hmm. and go there for a couple days, couple weeks, maybe even a couple months, and and uh, I think you'll you'll always be better afterwards than, than you were before. As long That's as you awesome. travel like an idiot, of course. As long as you're not stupid along the way. Right, and we'll we'll end by saying, don't travel like an idiot, everybody, because then you'll Yay. get in trouble. And don't steal yeah, propaganda posters in North Korea. Yeah, or anywhere. All right, Ethan, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, we'll let you know immediately when this goes up. I'm going to make my, my commute now. Cliff, always nice to talk to you. Um, yep, I'm going to go back to sleep. And I that's it, everybody. 40 minutes. <laughs> go, go rest. Have, Have a good day. Have a good one, guys. Bye.